Welcome, everybody, to the UESP podcast. I'm your host, Pylon, and with me today, as always, we have Lost in Hyrule, Alara, and AKB. I say as always because they were here last week and we have the same crew again for the first time, so I'm pressuring them into staying with us a little bit longer, making sure that they always keep coming back because we (laughs) love them having them on the show. Today we've got a really exciting show. Uh, We've got lots of cool topics to get started talking about. Uh, I think it'll be a fun interesting conversation that we'll have so i want to get started in there but first let's introduce everybody if for the people who haven't been here before so lost can i get you to start yeah i go by lost in hyrule i've been working on the wiki for about a year and have been reading it for years beyond that and then i joined the discord a little bit ago and i now serve as a junior moderator on the uesp discord yes pinkies unite <laughs> you and me buddy i think we're the only pinkies right now too I'm also that a junior moderator right. on the disc. I don't think I've ever actually said that on the show before, but yes, I function as a junior moderator as well as hosting the podcast. So it, it's just me it's, and uh It's a kind of a Sith thing. There's always two of them. <laughs> Wait, but which one of us is the master and which one of us is the never mind, I don't want to know. Because I'll be sad by that answer, I'm sure. Uh Alara, can you give yourself an introduction here? I do a little bit of everything. I edit the wiki. I'm an admin on the uh, Discord forum, uh, help with social media. So, yep. All of the things. And so much more. Yep. And so much more. Like you find ways to get aprons and interviews and all that fun stuff. So. <laughs> I don't know where Alara finds all this stuff. It's honestly astonishing. Uh, I wish we had a picture of her collection from... The last time she took it, so we could show it. She. I've got it on my user page. I can. (laughs) (laughs) Or you? Well, you've got new stuff now. Your homework for this week is to take a new picture with all of your things, so that we can. That like really takes hours to set up. So hours. Probably waiting until. Yeah, I don't know how long. I have a lot of stuff. (laughs) AKB, can you give yourself a little introduction as well? I'm AKB. I've been an admin of the UESB for a while. I. Occasionally also do her podcast and a few other projects besides that. Uh, if you've read any of our social media stuff, there's a, a good chance I wrote it personally, but it might also have been Baratron, who isn't with us today, or it might have been one of our older facts from like our Did You Know list from 50 years ago, or whenever we made it originally. <laughs> yeah, and to give us a little shameless pug, or shameless pug. I keep thinking about pugging in ESO right now because I've been trying to get a pug in of the new dungeon, but I didn't get a chance before the show. Uh, at UESP underscore net, you can look at the top corner if I point the right way up there uh, to make sure you follow us on Twitter and Facebook, all of the things before we go. And as always, I'm Pylon, your host today. I'm also brandishing some new swag thanks to our friends at Elder Scrolls Legends. They sent over a nice new t-shirt, uh, a pop socket, which is pretty awesome, um, and a nice mouse pad, which is way too big for me to show on screen. It's huge. It's like one of the big, massive table ones, um, which I believe because we're working on getting some giveaways from that team, so stay tuned for more information on that. I didn't think Legends need a whole lot of mouse movement to play, but I could be playing it wrong. That's your problem. Are you Legend ranked right now? Oh, no, I've never been higher well, than Well, there the you go. You've got to move your mouse more. You've got that travel distance is like, that's what wins games. <laughs> Anyways, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, so let's get moving into our news. Do you- 
First thing I want to say before we get digging in is thank you to Eric Gordon and Enodoc for creating our new sounds and theme song and intro and outro videos. That sound you just heard as we moved over was our new theme music. You'll hear it again at the end of the show when we play our outro music. Um, but Eric Gordon, who I believe is of Beyond Skyrim fame, uh, composed that, wrote it, and with working with Enodoc on that, and it is fantastic. I love it. I know everybody that has heard it has loved it. So we'll make sure to. I think we can include some show notes in there to uh, links to the YouTube. I don't know if it's published or not, but if it is, we'll make sure to publish it. So if people want to hear the whole video, they can they can get a chance at that. So first things up, we wanted to do a little bit of an update on some controversial news. AKB, do you want to take that one to introduce it? So I posted a link to the main story in chat, but basically what's going on is that what was expected to be the next Elder Scrolls project, Redfall, we saw that uh, they put out a trademark for it a little bit ago, and that just got disputed earlier this week so basically this author uh jay falconer claims that despite multiple attempts to try to contact them try to work something out xenomax hasn't really responded to him over his book series called redfall where it's a post-apocalyptic adventure kind of series i'm not personally familiar with it but based on his claim he went like your, your trademark basically would really interfere with my own works because the trademark did apply to written media and all that because there's almost definitely going to be companion books and all yeah. that with a whatever game they're actually going to make so it's unclear how long this will take but if they do want to stick with redfall this could delay whatever game they're trying to make right now or cost a lot of money for the trademark exactly <laughs> um yeah, I think one, one of the... That, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Pylon. One thing you mentioned, um, which I think you clarified already, but Redfall, we don't know if it was going to be an Elder Scrolls title or not. Yeah. We just know that the studio trademarked that one title. Yes. And we like the idea of it being Elder Scrolls, but we don't know for sure. But yes, either way, we... it interferes with their plans. Yes, we mm. don't know if Redfall was meant to be Elder Scrolls Six or another spin-off game, but it was the best bet for what they've trademarked and usually their trademarks go out years in advance to make sure they have everything locked and ready to go because getting marketing and all those different pieces together takes a very very long time so this fight could be really messing with whatever Bethesda's planning or that's to say unless they just don't change the name to something that wouldn't get disputed but again with how many different things could get disputed that might be very hard for them Right. I think I remember reading that like um, that things that start happening in uh, 2020 as far as that dispute. So since we know that Elder Scrolls 6 is coming after Starfield, it might not even necessarily <laughs> delay anything too much. I mean, it's a year, so who knows? Yeah, and trademark disputes tend to take a while to get through and settled and all the court processes involved with that. Um, I did, actually, I would love to actually have one of the lawyers from UASP on the show to talk about it more because I know when like stuff like comes this comes up, people always confuse copyrights, trademarks, patents, and try to figure out like what is what. And from what we've explained, I've been explained to, and I'm not a lawyer. Everything I say is not legal advice, and don't take it as binding. Your 
certain situation will always be different. But a trademark is specifically to protect the consumer so that when I buy X product with X name on it, I can be assumed that it is of X quality versus a copyright means that they've created something and they don't want anybody else to copy it. So in a trademark case, the confusion comes from if I see the name Redfall, I could easily assume the video game would be based on that book and want to play it based on that, similar to the Scrolls um, trademark dispute from ages ago where Bethesda or Zenimax and Mahjong had the issue with the game Scrolls as the title because it was too vague and people thought it was an Elder Scrolls game when it actually wasn't. So, Or UESP, how there was a college yeah. uh, savings Utah program. Utah Education Savings Program? Wait, yeah, that's they... not the podcast we're working on right now? <laughs> and then they mysteriously changed their name one day for reasons that seem to... to be related to us. Yeah, to um, like avoid confusion about our mission or something like that. Yeah. I'm sorry, we're going to have to cancel the show because I <laughs> thought this was for the Utah Education Savings Program. I've been catfished today and I'm devastated. ESO news, Wrathstone and Update 21, uh, 21 finally came out today. Uh, Lost, would you want to talk a little bit about that? Only at the highest level, because <laughs> there is way too much to actually yeah. delve into, since this is just the news and not the main topic. Yeah, next week um, we might do a bigger dive into what's new from the the whole DLC, if we dig out some more things, but we'll just kind of do an overview, because I don't know yeah. about the others, I tried to get playing and I didn't get a chance. Yeah, the, the, bullet, the bullet point list of stuff that went on, um, they've added new things you can earn in PvP skins that are based on the three different Battlegrounds teams. They've added a new Battlegrounds map to participate in called Eldangvar, which is based on a Realm of Oblivion that you also see in the quest in Merkmire. Um, some of the base game updates also include Guild Traders are now easier to use, Woo! which is good. I very much appreciate that because sometimes I just dump stuff in the Guild Bank so that they can sell it rather than me <laughs> have to deal with it. Because I don't like trying to shop on my own. Every time I try to use, the, like, try, I'm like, I decide I'm going to actually start working on, like, guild trading and make some money and stop being so poor all the time in the game is inevitably one of the, like, few times that, like, the awesome guild store add-on has stopped working for whatever reason. So I just get frustrated and sad and then end up not actually selling anything. So I have a whole backlog of things to sell. Which I'm very My thing to. is that if I'm playing a game about being an adventurer, I also don't want to be a stockbroker. Those are two very different, um, <laughs> you know, engagements, and I, I'm going after the adventure one instead. Same. I'm more um, fashion scrolls online, so. <laughs> I didn't mean for that to be a segue, but it does. There's also a new zone guide. Um, <laughs> essentially, the different features in each map that you may be interested in, they now have a system to help direct you to them. So it'll help you know there's a delve over here. There is a, a region over here where you can participate in some quests. Here's where the next main story quest is at. Just things to help you get through the entire map and not have to look around through the achievement menu to know what things you might be missing. Um, the only things it doesn't direct you to, I think, are sky shards and one other hidden thing. But they still tell you how many you've found, just not what their locations are. Oh, well, that's kind of... I like that, because then it still gives that... Like, if you want that immersiveness of exploration, you can still have it. Or you can be like everybody else and get the 
Sky Shards add-on or find a map that you can look at yep. while you're playing on Xbox and do it that way. So it's a little bit nice. Yep. But it is nice that now you have in just one spot while looking at your map an easy check mark or checklist really of how much you've done in the zone. Yeah, view and chat and says then, lore books. I think is the other thing that's not shown in the... That's what it is. That's the other thing. Bio's got it. Yeah, the lore books, they don't tell you which where they are, just how many you may still need yeah. to find. And then the really cool stuff from a story perspective is that the two new dungeons are now available, the Depths of Malatar and Frost Vault. And both of those, you have to get the, the dungeon DLC pack or have ESO+. Plus. But those are the first chapter, or the first chapters, I suppose, in the Season of the Dragon storyline that's supposed to be going on throughout the entire year. So really, you're getting a bit of a prologue to what's going to be happening when we go to elsewhere in a quarter, I suppose. Yeah, in just a couple of months now. Does it matter what order you do the dungeons in? I haven't done them myself yet. I also haven't. During the previews, um, the articles they put out, they said first you're going to the Depths of Malatar and then later to Frostfault, but I haven't played them, so I don't know if that actually comes out in the story. I do yeah, know okay. that you're going to each of them separately to find two fragments of what's called the Wrathstone, which is why it's called the Wrathstone update. And that's what you see in that trailer, that Abner Tharn accidentally plugged together and causes all the chaos that's going to happen. Okay. Yeah, that's one of those. I don't know about you guys, but I find I never really play PTSs. I remember I used to play all the betas whenever I got access to stuff. And then I started getting burned out on content before it was actually live because I would try it so much in the PTSs that now I, I kind of wait and run it all once it's new. So I haven't got a chance to run it. That's mm -hmm. why I think maybe next week or the week after we can do kind of a breakdown of the patch and what we've seen. Um, did you mention the, I may have missed it while you said it, but the racial rebalance that went live. No, I accidentally looked over it. That was one that got a lot of talk when it was being discussed on the forums. Yep. Basically, the passive skills for every race have been altered to some degree. Um, I think the the basic one that included your flavor uh, perk, those have all stayed consistent. But everything else that involves actual stats have been rebalanced. And there was a lot of, I think, upsetness at first. And they've done some tweaks to what was originally presented. Yeah. But from what I understand from some of the people that play higher-end uh, ESO on the Discord, they've said that a lot of races are closer together now than they were before. That the range between the best and the second best and third best and all that is narrower now. Yeah, it seems so, to be a lot more a lot more balanced, which is good for a rebalance to actually get to. Um, I don't. I, there's still a couple complaints that I've heard about the sure. rebalance, which. Everyone's going to have a little bit of a complaint. X favorite race is now slightly worse than it used to be, so they're going. There's going to be complaints, but overall, it seems that they're doing a great job. So, mm -hmm. so I think that covers the ESO news in the very broadest, you know, strokes. The one thing I did want to mention, in case anybody hasn't tried logging in, is there was a post saying that it could potentially take up to five hours to log in. Um, that it was going to be some excessive loading screens. Mine took about 20 seconds for me to get logged in after the patch updated. So unless that's still coming, it seems like it wasn't actually as big of a problem as they were worried about. So that's exciting I mean, news. 20, 20 seconds is just better than my average login time for ESO anyway, even yeah. with it on a freaking solid state drive. Got to get that NVMe. 
makes all the difference. I'm telling you. Yeah, I guess I'm <laughs> going to figure out how long it takes. I haven't done that yet. Yeah. As we see Alara just pop up the screen on her second monitor and start playing during the show. <laughs> <laughs> Actually alt tabbed. <laughs> yeah, I figured. Um, no, so I, I was worried because I'm like, oh, I'm going to start this right now. I just did it at like six o'clock tonight and ended up, it logged me in right away. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I can't play right now. I was expecting this to take a couple hours. I don't have free time. My kids are still awake. Um, so I logged back out, but everything was fine. So that doesn't seem like it was actually a problem. So go Zenimax Online Studios development team. You guys killed it. And then Alara, um, our Legends expert. Is there any news in the Legends world this week? Um, not really anything new. There was an article um, showing some highlights using the uh, Isle of Bandis cards. Uh-huh. Um I did notice also a comment um, by CVH on the subreddit saying that they do want to bring back the uh, weekend gauntlets event, but they have to kind of rebuild them first. So it's on the roadmap, but they do plan to bring it back. Oh, awesome. I never really did. I still have like, I think 56 event tickets (laughs) sitting in my inventory from when the drops just started giving them out all over the place. I still have like, 30 or so. Yeah. 154. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I, I need to play more. Yeah, apparently. I think I've only done the arenas because I've never really been too big into arenas. I don't know what it is, but any like Hearthstone, Legends, Magic, like, I don't know. I'd like constructed a little bit more. Yeah, I think I used a lot of mine um, shortly after the client switch when uh, Solo Arena got really easy. So, Work my way up to the top rank in that. Yeah, I forgot about that. Maybe that's what I'll have to move to. Anyways, as we start talking about what we're playing, maybe it's time to move into our scholarly pursuits for the week. Okay, time for our scholarly pursuits. AKB, do you want to get us started there? Absolutely. I have been wrestling with trying to figure out how Instagram works this week. And I'm very frustrated with how that whole thing works. It's so bad. And I see what you were trying to do. (laughs) It's so hard. I've never used it myself. Instagram to basically understand what Facebook is, how to post from a computer. It's a Byzantine process that took me hours to just get anywhere. Like ultimately, er, uh, me and Dave Humphrey, the founder of the USB, were talking about it. And basically we settled on, we're just not going to worry about getting Instagram working with Facebook, which the nice thing was supposed to be like, oh, you can just hook you up with your Facebook and all your accounts are shared. Yeah. That doesn't work at all. <laughs> it doesn't like, work how you think it would work. It doesn't work how you think it would work, meaning that you need to make like three additional accounts to link them all together yeah. and confirm your information through all these processes. And then finally, just give the person you wanted to originally the account credentials so they can just log in directly. Which, why the hell did I go through all of this just to log in directly, which is what I was trying to avoid. But then they're trying to figure out how to post from a computer, which you'd think, oh, just hit the post button. 
There isn't one if you're trying to do it from a computer. You have to post from a phone if you want to post to Instagram. Unless you go into Chrome and tell them, hey, I'm a mobile, I'm a mobile app device. developer. Yeah. And just posting it like a normal thing except through a phone browser. I don't know why this website was built this way. I know it was made for phones, but why would you build your website this way when people want to use Instagram on their computers? Three words, third-party service. Solves all of these problems. I'll, yeah, we'll talk later, but it's just so funny because I've literally went through this exact same struggle probably like three or four years ago and just I remember beating my head against a wall with Instagram's stupid mobile-only system. It's just a nightmare. Other than that, how was your week? <laughs> <laughs> my week has been... I, I, I ran like 30 miles this week besides that, so everything's Congrats. just a blur. I, it's basically Instagram and me being extremely tired. That's fair. Lost in Hyrule, how's your week been? Have you found your way out of Hyrule yet? <laughs> uh, never, but that's a separate issue entirely. <laughs> For Elder Scrolls-related things, um, the two different games I've really got time in, I did a little bit for Elder Scrolls Online. Um, Despite really liking the game, I've not cleared all of the base game content yet, so I've got a long way to go. I wanted to do dungeons, and some people from the Discord jumped on and helped me out, Walker and Avron, who I really appreciate. And after completing a single dungeon on the second one, my entire computer crashed. Oh, no. I rebooted it, got in, and it crashed again. So... I think the new graphics card I got is drawing too much power from my nine-year-old power supply. So I have to turn the graphics down and probably upgrade the power supply soon. Mm. But I made progress on one dungeon. There are still, I think, 20 or so to go. But I will get there. If it makes you feel better, I'm 600 hours in and I still haven't finished all the base game content. There's a lot. Yes. Don't feel bad about that. (laughs) Yeah, I started, like, you know, release date, and I've only pretty much gotten the Old Mary Dominion done for the base game. Yeah, there's still a lot, and I want to get through it, but just try to get rid of my completionist tendencies and focus on just <laughs> through the story. Yeah, I've, and like if we're talking base game content too, like I've got EP and AD main quest done, but there's still probably like 3,000 people that have run up to me asking for help that I've had to ignore because yeah. quest log limits which we won't get into today are one of my biggest pet peeves in the world in an open game like elder scrolls online so well maybe yeah. we'll talk about that later but a lot yeah, of other help. thing oh, is, oh, oh you've got so much more I, can, I have so much more so i mentioned last week that i had started playing skyrim pinball again and <laughs> I, I wanted to update this week that i am bad at it i used to be okay like i played the challenge rankings and i was in the top 600 on the boards and that has definitely fallen like i can i was having trouble even going from city to city i was able to summon a dragon to fight and i pulled out my bow to start shooting it out of the sky and then instantly drained the ball like i was having terrible luck which means i wasn't finding new items to document but luckily today i somehow got on a hot streak I made it to three different cities, I crafted stuff, I went to several stores and found items I needed to document, and I actually beat my all-time high score. I moved it up from 115 million to 120 million. Congratulations. I I finally started getting back in the groove just today, and I feel good about that. 
I haven't played a <laughs> pinball game since I think Pokemon Pinball on Game Boy Color. I was never I rich enough to get super into pinball either, so... Yeah. That's why digital pinball is the way to go. It doesn't have the same feel, but the machines never break down. And you don't have to <laughs> keep feeding it quarters forever and ever and ever. Yep. Yeah, I don't know how many games of Windows XP pinball I played. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, two weeks ago, we played 3D Pinball Space Cadet as a competition at work. And I just ecked out the victory and got to keep the Golden Geek trophy for another month or so. <laughs> Congratulations again. Congrats. You're full so that's of it for me. That's it for you now. Don't want to cut you off. <laughs> Alara, how about yourself? Um, for Legends, I have been working on Brinked again. And my ALS Companions deck was doing really good this week. And so it brought me up to the fourth constellation. Still having trouble proceeding past that but at least it's higher than i was i also figured out the issue with uh streaming it was apparently incompatibility with fraps like i like to keep that open to take screenshots for the wiki and stuff but when i have fraps open and i try to use obs then the um game footage just freezes yeah. my camera is fine it just has an issue with the game so they're both I close trying fraps, to they're both trying to capture your graphic card. So it, what it, they'll do is they'll put a hook into the game to try to capture the output. And so if you have them both running, they're both hooking, and it depends on which one is faster will actually control that. So that makes sense. So, I would, oh, go ahead, AKB. So does anyone know what happened to the people who developed Fraps? Because I don't think they've updated it in like 11 years now. And it's still, like, one of the most popular pieces of software used is just, I think, like, they set up their server and everything, and then everyone in the, their office died from, like, carbon dioxide poisoning, because they just don't do anything with it. When it, it was just before, like, the rise of all these different competitors, and Fraps could still be on top, but it's just, they don't do anything with it. Yeah, I get like an error about DirectX 9 or something like that whenever yeah. I start my computer with it now. It appears yeah. it's been abandoned and even the trademark has expired as of May 19th, 2017. So am I actually right? Did it, like was is there like an office building for the Fraps crew that no one's walked into for 11 years and it's just, it's just filled like with dust mummies and... at this point? <laughs> Potentially. Yeah. yeah, no, the last update was he just was for Windows 7. If anyone knows anyone who worked on Fraps, just check in on them for us and get back to us on that. Yeah, make sure everybody's okay over there. Yeah, so if anyone has any issues with streaming with OBS and you're using Fraps, try closing Fraps. So, um, yeah, I got streaming working then, and I streamed the first two episodes of the Legends Isle of Madness uh, story the other day. So plan to continue with that. And then for Elder Scrolls Online, I have been continuing working through the um, Vardenfell zone. So I have, I think, most of the side quests and dungeons almost done at this point. So from there, it'll be on to the main storyline. That's exciting. Um, I highly suggest if you haven't, if you want to do screenshots in games, uh, Greenshot is okay. like the best screenshot taking tool out there you can have it set to different uh key bindings will do different types of screenshots so you can have it do by hitting this button it does a full screen this button pulls up the little box that you can use it can say where you want it to send it you can have it like go to an ftp automatically if you want 
fantastic. I highly suggest Greenshot. They're not sponsoring this podcast, but if they want to, <laughs> let me know because Greenshot's the best. As for myself, I have finally got back into finishing Cadwell's Gold. So I've gone through the main quest first on AD because Queen Aaron is Bay, So she was where I went first. I went through the EP storyline, which was great. And now I got to the DC storyline, which is kind of boring so far. So it's been hard to actually dig through. I still haven't made it. I don't think out of Strauss Mackay. Mackay? Strauss Mackay. I'm saying that right. Yeah. I haven't mm-hmm. made it out of there yet because it's just really boring. And I'm apologizing to any DC fans out there, but that intro to that story is not as exciting as getting to meet either like Neryu or Razumdar. So I remember that was the first, uh, I think the first part I did in the first like um, beta just about. And yeah, it took forever to get off that island when you had to start there. Yeah, it's... Think... go ahead. I think they went Daggerfall, Ebonheart, and then uh, Unmarried Dominion when actually de- designing the game because you can see the different design directions they tried to take the series. Uh, just yeah. in their own development process, because none of them play the same. Yeah, they're all very different stories, and it's cool. I like that they did it that way, but it's it's interesting. So that's what I'm working on. Um, working on getting stuff set up with the podcast. My aim for this week, if anybody is wondering, is we should have an emote live and happy, ready to go. And then I should have the show on audio podcast. So on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music, we should have the audio version of the podcast. I think I figured out how the RSS is going to work for me. So I just have to actually capture all that audio and send it up there. So it will include all of our past shows too. And I'll try not to lose them like every other show seems to when they start getting in there. Yeah. So that's what I've been working on this week uh, related to the UESP. And now I think it's time to move over to our unanswered lore questions for the week. I think so. Okay, AKB, do you want to introduce us to the unanswered lore questions of the week? So Unanswered Lore Questions is a segment where we talk about one of the infinite questions of the Elder Scrolls that are unanswerable because there's not enough information to answer them as of now. So basically, it doesn't matter what you are, uh, what your answer is. It's just, oh, hey, let's look at this little scenario and let's try to puzzle it out with whatever little bits that they did leave us. So today, our first question is, what would Jigalag do now that he is free from his curse of Sheogorath? Which, this one is a very contested question for <laughs> reasons I'll go into, but Pylon, do you want to try to take your shot at it? So I was reading over this one, and obviously he's just going to try to like get things back into order. That's what he does. He's just going to be like, okay, Shiagorath kind of messed everything up. So it'll be, but I, I don't even know how. Honestly, it's one of those questions that'll be like, is it even possible or is it going to now just be this forever struggle of like the Jigalag being, I don't know. 
Lost, do you have any ideas? I I struggled with this one. The other one, I've got a way better idea, but <laughs> I don't I don't think about it too much. Um, I am one of the people that wants to believe, or I guess is inclined to believe that he really is free from the curse. There are some signs, um, especially based on ESO, though that's the past, so you have to make of that what you will. There are some signs that maybe this entire thing is just a big act, a big play. Yeah. And even though it says he's free, he's really not, and everything is going to keep repeating itself the way it always has. I like the idea of our hero actually changing something, and he really is free now. If he's going to establish order to the cosmos as a whole, maybe he's just starting with some of the small, pathetic, out-of-the-way Oblivion realms, and he's just slowly establishing stasis everywhere and he just hasn't worked himself up to the big places the players that we see interfering with the mundus and he hasn't dared touch actual mundus yet because that's the big problem that probably got him into sheer growth in the first place alara do you have anything to add or are you like me where you're just like it's it's so confusing and every time it's explained to me yeah, I'm like, yeah but it could also <laughs> just be not true and it's even more confusing since I haven't done that quest line in Oblivion yet. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I understand, like, you know, what happens. So I don't know what happens to Jiggle Egg at the end. Like, so, yeah, I don't have any idea. So my take on this one is to give the backstory of what the controversy around this question is, is that in ESO, Chamberlain Haskell goes on about in a out-of-game text about how he is a vestige himself like the player character is and he was a mortal who came and mantled Sheogarath during a Grey March to try to stop it and whatever happened, Sheogarath still exists, the Grey March still happened and Haskell is what was left over of the mortal who took, mantled Sheogarath. That sounds a lot like the quest line in Shivering Isles where our character, the champion Cyrodiil goes in, he mantles Sheogorath, he stops the Grey March, and Shiglet goes and says, okay, I'm going to go do my own thing now, you're Sheogorath now. But the way that it's presented with this past scenario and errors, it's ambiguous of, did we actually stop it and do it perfectly, or did Haskell mess it up? Or... Is this just a constant con to eat powerful people as and make them part of whatever Sheogorath is doing? It's all bizarre, and there's so many ways to look at this. It's personally, if I had to say so, I think the champion actually did fix this based on our interaction with them in Skyrim, because he remembers what we did in Oblivion. But they can take it in any direction, basically, now. Whether or not Jiglek is still going to be in the series or not, it's all up in the air. I can't see them really bringing him back too much because of... I think they like to leave things that we can kind of, like, ponder and not really ever have a real answer for, kind of like the dwarves and, like, what happened to them. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, it's likely that they're just going to leave it be like, hey, maybe he's going to come back and try to reorder the world again and guess what? By reordering the world, it means you guys are basically deleted. So, so it's, it'd be nice if they kind of left it open and keep the mystery involved there. I, I don't think we're going to see Jigleg again yeah. at all 
too. Biggest reason, I think, because we've already dealt with Sheogorath several times. Um, they might want to give him a break and tell some stories about some other entities, some other Daedric princes. So if they do come around to resolving it, which they didn't do in the Legends expansion, it's probably a ways out. So that's a good take. I basically agree. Uh, I think he's had, what, two expansions just based on him now by himself? Uh, what was it? Shivering Isles and Isles of Madness. And then you've got the entire Mages Guild questline in ESO oh, yeah. based yeah. on him. And the uh, Chaos Arena, also in Legends. Yeah, he he's really has taken over the series as the most <laughs> he's popular. He's a fan friends. favorite. He puts in like, work. Yeah, like they put him in because people love him. People yeah. request it. So it's it's kind of similar to um, Loremaster Schick's uh, intro video. It's like they keep putting like Naryu and Rosam, Razamdar in the series because everybody talks about them and likes them. It's the same <laughs> with Shiagorath. He's one of those characters that people just will naturally fall in love with. But but at the same time, there there is like character fatigue on people like that. So I think I, I agree with Lost that they'll probably be leaving him out for a little while there. But with that looked at, here's the one that I think there's actually <laughs> more to discuss, which is what is the Imperial strategy to defeat the Thalmor? And the reason why this is a question for me personally is because it's kind of obvious what the Thalmor strategy is, what they're trying to do and how they're doing it. But we're never really presented with any kind of Imperial attempt to counter what they're doing. They just react to what the Thalmor have already done. So is there a strategy in play to stop the Thalmor, to defeat them? No. <laughs> I agree. I think I the, I think the honest, I think the honest answer is that the Imperial, like the Imperials are not, coordinated at any of the times where the Thalmor has continuously started to gain grounds. They're busy dealing with all of these uprising in Skyrim, Oblivion Gates opening up, gods in Morrowind falling apart, and like there's other things that they're trying to worry about with their kind of empirical expansion that they've left this as a like, oh, we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about it. And it's going to be, as we will likely see, hopefully... In Elder Scrolls Six, we'll see a little bit more about that expanding further and further. I, my agreement is that they aren't. There is no one at the hands of the Empire anymore. We met the Emperor in Skyrim, and he was a joke. Basically, yeah. he was going like, "Oh, people plotted my assassination. That makes about as much sense as I'd expect. Why don't you just get it over with, man?" And, yeah, like, Tolius isn't leaving Skyrim. He has his own problems to deal with. He's the only person we're kind of shown to still be kind of competent in the Imperial hierarchy. So, if not the, the Emperor or their most respected military leader, then who is going to fix what the Imperials have? Alara, do you have anything? Um... I think I don't really have too much else to add. I think it would make sense if they were to try and unite the uh, different provinces like Skyrim and everything. But if they can do that, who knows? 
I'd, I'd be inclined to disagree with AKB and Pylon on this. I think that we do not see what the plan is. That's fair. But we also know that our only picture at this point in time is Skyrim. Mm -hmm. And the only thing we have is one Legion who's apparently mostly composed of conscripts trying to deal with this uprising to solidify Skyrim as a holding of the Empire. There are still other Legions. There's still other leaders. The fact that you lose the Emperor, that's probably a big blow and that probably <laughs> contributes a lot. But we also know the Elder Council has a lot of power and a lot of influence over how things are conducted in the empire so while that probably throws things into turmoil i doubt it's absolutely fatal i presume that they are doing something and they're just trying to use their sparse resources to get prepared i would bet that we see something of that in elder scrolls 6 now maybe we just see the empire is completely defeated by the time of six, but I would guess that they're not done yet, and they probably still pose enough of a threat that the Thalmor can't just stomp on them. We might even find out more in Blades if it's ever released. If true, because that's supposed <laughs> to be post Skyrim, I believe. Is we has that been fully confirmed? It's been fully confirmed at this point, I think. The developer comments I saw said it was before Skyrim, but we also see dragons showing up, and so the theory some of us worked out in talking in discord is that it sort of starts before and then ends up ends. overlapping with yeah, okay so kind of like the legend stories yeah Where can we just start including in the news segment every week has blades come out we can build a bumper that just screams no <laughs> i like this i'll work on that that's my new task for this week sorry guys no audio podcast i gotta build a bumper that just screams no at you Awesome. Well, I think now is a great time that we can build into our main show topic for today. Well, most of it's pictures. So here we go. So this, I want to give a little bit of a preface of this uh, topic today, which the mediums of the scrolls came from a discussion Lost and I had randomly on Discord one night about the merits of ESO being an MMO. Um, it's, it's a very grandiose topic that it's going to take a while to go through, so we won't be able to do it justice on the show unless we're here until midnight. So I just want to give like a little bit of a heads up. But basically what we're talking about is not papyrus or leather or the mediums of the scrolls themselves, but the way we consume them. So we want to talk about the open world games, like the Elder Scrolls 1 through 5 or 6, in comparison to the offshoot games, the ESO, Legends, Blades, Shadow Key, things like that. And really, what impact do they have on the world of the Elder Scrolls? And what do they change what is better for the world because of that what is worse for the world because of that um lost do you want to give another a little bit of an insight of kind of what we were talking about when we came in here before we get digging into the actual like content yeah i mean as you said the idea came from talking about mmos but really each different game that comes out whether it's a mainline game or not there's different things they do that engage the player in different ways and tell stories in different ways we even hinted at this in the last podcast, talking about how if you design it as a co-op game rather than a single-player game, the stories probably change a little bit to handle that. And we just talked about the merits and whether certain things made sense one way or another, and I guess we'll get into all of that. 
Yeah, so let's get started just right off the bat here. So the kind of the two big differences we could have, um, Alara, I'm going to pick on you in a second here, okay. is open, like there's two basically main concepts to storytelling. We can have an open world game and a linear game. Elder Scrolls has, as a core series, has always been about that open world concept. But we're looking at getting a few new games like Blades. We're getting a few new games like... Um, we can talk about some of the old games where we have the mobile shadow keys and things like that that aren't as much of the old the open world games. So kind of what do you think the benefits that we see from like the open world games are? So that's to me? That's to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so open world, I mean, there is just so much to see. You can take things at your own pace. You can explore what most interests you. Um, it's one of yeah, it's it's what we're used to too. I think is yeah, pretty much one of those things. Are it gets hard to answer because you're thinking about it. You're like, wait, this is just every Elder Scrolls game we've had. Yeah, I mean, you can look and just explore the wilderness and find dungeons or encounter you know creatures and NPCs. Uh, you know, you can design your houses, do crafting. All kinds of stuff. And this is, you know, for both the main series games and for ESO. They kind of do it in different ways and offer different things, but that's definitely a strength that both of them have. I don't know if we can actually say that there's an actual linear Elder Scrolls game. I'm trying to think. Other than maybe Legends? Legends is probably... Record and Dalspire. Are they really linear? I'm trying to... I haven't played either or i haven't played so, red guard part of the issue is go ahead akb i'm sorry <clears throat> uh right guard has an open world hub but it's really just a town and as for battle spire it's entirely linear linear you're just going through level by level it's a level designed game it's you go through a level of the dungeon you're on the next one and so on and so forth you can't backtrack okay part so. of the issue is that this idea of open world versus linear or really branching versus linear stories. It's a spectrum. There, there's going to be a diversity of it. Like Ocarina of Time is you've got some freedom to explore side quests to do, but it's obviously a lot more focused, a lot more restricted than Skyrim is. There's a lot more breadth in the things you can do. So really we're talking about things that lean more towards one side of the spectrum or the other. Yeah, no, that makes... I like that. So what would we like to see in a spinoff? Kind of, what would you like to see? I'll go to you, Lawson, this one. In a linear Elder Scrolls game, or would you even want to see a linear Elder Scrolls game where it's more of like the... I'm trying to think like... On-rails game where it's like you go to here, to here, here, to here. You know what you're doing. You're doing these quests. I'm perfectly okay with there being things in the Elder Scrolls universe with linear stories. Um, as you hinted at, Legends really fits in that. When you're going through one of the stories, there are occasionally little side things you can do to influence it, but you're still going one location to the next. The story is always going to follow pretty much the same flow, and there's not a whole lot of deviating from that. One of the things I think that provides is that your story can be told in a way that's better paced. And yeah. 
when you have an open world where there's always something else to go do, you can still tell well-paced stories, but you have to account for the fact that a player at any point could say, I'm going to stop this right now. I'm going to travel all the way to Morthal and run around in the dungeons there, and then I'll come back to deal with Alduin. Yeah, he's going to destroy the world, but I'll get to that in a month. So any story you do, you have to allow it to be picked back up, whereas if the story's designed to be linear from the front from the beginning, then you know that there's not going to be this huge pacing break unless the player just pauses the game entirely. So that's one of the main distinctions. The ability to explore a lot of small stories scattered around the world, or the ability to tell one well-paced story central to the world. Yeah, I know that's one thing that my, uh, my sister has probably started Skyrim like three times over the last, I don't know how many years, because she keeps forgetting what she was doing. Yeah. You know, from one quest to another and it's like i don't even know where to start so just gonna start a new character um that's one thing i remember in morrowind i had a huge problem with if i ever took a month off the game you come back in you're like oh i have to read through my journal to try to remember what i was doing and even then it was just a vague description it's like oh there was a guy showed Mm -hmm. up and he had a a tattoo on his shoulder and you read that it's i don't remember anything of what i was doing at that time so it's it becomes whereas I find myself, and I don't, and I'm sure there's others like me, but I don't know if you guys are like me. When I'm playing Skyrim or Morrowind or Oblivion, in chunks, I try to do it linearly. So I will inevitably end up branching off, but a lot of the times I will go sit, do a play session. I'll be like, you know what? Today I'm finishing main story. That's what I'm going to go through, and I'm going to do this next few ones, and then I get caught up in the story, and then inevitably a bandit will attack me. And then I'll get led to a cave and then go to the cave and then I'll loot the cave and then I'll be over encumbered. So I have to go back to town. And when I go back to town, I find something new and then I get distracted. But I, tr- I go in with the intention of doing it linearly. Do you, are you guys similar to that way? Or is it just like you log in, go to play a game and you're just like, let's see what happens today. I tend to be like that. Um, recently in ESO, I decided I wanted to experience more of the story And I typically play with my wife, but I had a second character for when we're not playing together. On that character, I just binged straight through all the Harborage quests and went into Cold Harbor and dealt with all of that. Because I just wanted to know what the overall story of base game ESO was after all these years. And I finally finished it. So I finally know those main plot points. (laughs) So now it's just zone quests I have to go do. Yeah, my play style is typically... uh... You know, go through an area and explore all the caves, do all the quests in the area that I can, and just kind of leave the main quests to the side. So that's kind of, especially what I've done with ESO, is I've done most of Vardenfell. I haven't done the main quest line yet. Somerset, I have done, like, all of the side stuff, but just not the main one. I'm going to finish Morrowind first. So that's how I tend to play. AKB, how about yourself? I tend to get distracted when I play and go run off to do a million different things. <laughs> I will get a quest and then I realize, oh, hey, I finally finished that quest, but I picked up 30 along the way that I started, just little bits of. But now I have to go save half the world just because I wanted to go to this cave and kill this one bandit leader. And... I try to occasionally play the game where I just knock off one quest at a time, moving forward and forward, but the main Elder Scrolls games are just not designed that way. Uh, well, Daggerfall and Arena basically work that way, because 
you don't have any other options. But Morrowind, Oblivion, Skyrim, the modern trilogy, if you will, don't work that way. Yeah, and as much as I do try to stay linear to a story or something like that, probably my most favorite moments in any of the games are when I've just gone off and found something on a random mission. Like Morrowind, my all-time favorite is I started a game, I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I just started swimming with an Argonian. I just took off. I was like, how far can I swim with this? And I ended up landing in a grotto or a grotto. And then I fought some crazy Drew while I only had a dagger. And it killed me like 10 times. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to beat this Drew. And then I found like the dragon bone curious after that. And it was like this crazy legendary art of medium artifact. And I was like blown away. Like teenage pylon was just having a blast after doing that kind of thing. Or even like, Blackreach in Skyrim is probably the best example of just like stumbling into a cave, fighting some stuff, and then, oh wow, this place is beautiful, and somebody spent so much time designing and building that. So it's like I would be I would be sad to lose some of those moments in a linear game. I think, but so, I don't know. Two points. Uh, first, are you saying dreg? Like the Drew. aquatic creatures in Morrowind? Is it dreg? E u g h. Is it is it dreg? Yeah, it's Drag. I've always called it Drew. Anyway, I don't want to dwell on that. I just wanted to double check that I knew what we were talking about. That's and so funny. a little bit. You can definitely... But, um, this is one of those things where I find it really funny before we go on is I have never heard anyone say it before. I've just read it. So if you look right. at it, it's like D-R-E-U-G-H. And I think like G-H, I'm like, through has G-H at the end. So through, it's like through, so just, Drew. I, I thought Just it call was them Billies. Too, Billies? Yeah, Billies works. <laughs> in ESO, they get pronounced at some point, and that's the only way I knew about it. Uh, I think during the Ebonheart Pact quest at Vivex Antlers. But that wasn't the point. Um, what you mentioned was about exploring, about wandering, finding cool places. And obviously, that's one of the strong points that goes to open world games. You can really make a world for people to be in. You can tell a lot of smaller stories, and you can also have the gameplay experience of wandering, of getting lost in the wilderness, and just finding small little things. Things that aren't worthy of a full game's main story, but are still fun things to experience. And really, that's sort of the, the dichotomy I see between the two. That with a focused, linear game, you can tell a narratively well-structured story. But for an open-world game, you can just get lost in this other world. And whether it's the mundane or the grandiose, you can experience all of it. And both have their merits, and I'm fine with both sorts of games existing. So speaking of different styles of games having their merits, I think the next kind of the big thing to bring up, as it's going to become more and more popular of a thing that's going to happen in game, is talking about PC console games versus mobile games. They're very different. They have a very different style of play, but they're also something that's not going away. Like the biggest gaming markets are now in China and they don't have computers. They have phones on those. That's why you see, we see terrible reactions to things getting launched on mobile because for the most part, mobile has had interesting monetization strategies that aren't, we're not familiar with and they change the way it works. Like when the app store um, for the iPhone first came out, it was you would see 
$10, $20 games. I remember Super Monkey Ball was $19.99 and nobody bought it because everyone's like, well, it's on a phone. I don't want to actually spend money on a phone game. So slowly what happened is the, like, the economy worked its way out where people were like, well, I'm happy to actually download the game for free. And then if I want any upgrades that aren't really that important, I'll pay for them or I'll pay to get stuff done faster. And that spawned a whole new style of monetization. And that doesn't seem to be going away. And that's bleeding more into the way PC and console games are. So it's it's not something that's going to change. And I'm, we're likely to see Elder Scrolls games more so on mobile in the future. We've got Blades coming out soon. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Legends is a great example of a mobile game. We even have some of the older games that were kind of experiments in this realm with Shadow Key and the other travels, Elder Scrolls Travels games. But so, what do you guys think? I'll look to Lost again for this one, just because I know he. This was part of our conversation before about like, what do you see the benefit or the drag coming from mobile games being? The monetization thing is one that, you know, I hadn't thought about for this discussion, and I don't really want to because yeah. you're right. There, there's a lot of. <laughs> gross monetization out there and there's a lot of stuff that for me is completely non-offensive one way or another something will get worked out in the future there'll probably be some stinkers along the way but that's okay but really from the what the gameplay is like experience um i like the idea that you can have bite-sized games where a five minute or a 10 minute break on a bus or waiting on code to compile or whatever the case may be (laughs) small things where you can get in and have part of your gameplay, but having a game designed around that sort of time commitment. For instance, um, Skyrim is available on the switch now. And really that means Skyrim is now a, a mobile game with air quotes, but the way Skyrim's gameplay tends to work, there's not often times where three or five minutes of progress is going to necessarily feel really meaningful or that it's easy to pick up and go every time you unpause and easily remember, here's what I'm doing, and here's a satisfying little bit of gameplay. It can, but it's not always going to be that way because that's not how the quests are designed. It's not how the dungeons are designed. With something like Legends even though it's both console or it's both PC and mobile, you have little matches. Each piece of story is a small snippet of gameplay. Now they can take a few minutes, maybe up to 10, 15 if you're doing a control deck, but you get a small amount of gameplay at a time. The idea of blades having dungeon delving as the primary gameplay mechanism where you go in, you have a 10 minute dungeon and that's the end of that episode of the story it obviously is not going to be as grand or epic as what Skyrim can possibly provide or what ESO can do, but it allows you to get a satisfying bit of story wherever you are. And I like doing Elder Scrolls stuff when I'm on the go. I like having the the book, <laughs> like just an app that has all the Elder Scrolls books in it so I can just sort of browse and find something I haven't read and read it if I've got a spare two minutes. Gameplay is more fun than reading, so I'd be cool with that too. AKB, how do you feel about the kind of the world of mobile games bleeding in with Elder Scrolls games? So I think we're looking at this wrong, and I think that mobile games have, honestly, with the advances in mobile technology, there really isn't that much of a difference between a mobile device and a 
console or a PC, especially in the near future, we're going to be looking at games that can do whatever we want on our phones and it would transfer well over to consoles or PCs and vice versa. I think that there, yes, there's, I personally hate the direction monetization, especially in regards to mobile games has gone because it's often predatory. It's, oh, hey, let me waste a week of your life or you can give me 20 bucks to advance your phone game. And I don't like that personally, but what I really want to see is kind of phone games to be serious about themselves. Like most of them just seem to be the most bare minimum thing slapped together to sell yeah. boosts to your character. Exactly. Boost to your character or to skip a arbitrary time limit just to advance what is a pretty simple game ultimately. I just want them to be more like actual games. And I know that what didn't sell very well, but I feel like part of the challenge is you're not getting anything physical for it. Like, I know uh, PC gamers and console gamers are kind of adjusting to that now, but for most of PC gamers and console gamers' lives, you've got something, something you could physically hold when you bought a game, and you don't yeah. get that with a phone game. You just get a little app that you're going to probably have some troubles with and you'll look at once or twice and you're like, whatever. So here's but, a question to everybody based on that though. Would you be willing to pay $80 for blades? No. Depends on what it is. Would yeah. you be willing to pay $80 for Skyrim on your phone? No. I mean, I bought it five times. <laughs> you spent $80. <laughs> But so that's the interesting thing. Is, I mean, I did get it when it just came out for the Switch. So, <laughs> right, I've got the Switch version, so that's part of it. Yeah, because I'm like thinking, I'm like for myself personally, I know the answer would be no. I would never. I don't think I'd ever be willing to pay eighty dollars on an app, and like outright for an app on a phone system. But I don't even know why. Really, there's like there's not too much, but it's just there's a disconnect between that style of gameplay whereas on a phone game i i want as lost was saying that like quick i'm on a bus i want to finish this i'm i'm rarely going to sit down and want to spend five hours on a phone i mean digging to add on to that slightly more the phone platform is just uncomfortable to game on for long periods of time anyway it's a tiny screen it has a very limited battery it's not ideal it's doesn't sell itself towards games you pay for long periods of time. It's like very long games that you could play for thousands of hours, like the Elder Scrolls games. And to what AKB was saying, you're right that the technology is coming to the point where you can get similar experiences and it's only going to get, the difference is only going to shrink that eventually a mobile game is going to be capable of anything else. The only difference is the controls yeah. and the actual way a player is going to play it. So the fact that you're on the go, you're probably not going to want this to be a game that takes hours to get progress on. You're going to want bits and bursts of it. Those are the main distinctions that I was thinking about. Yeah, and it's one of those things too. Like I, I see in chat, they're talking about like what they'd have to be willing to pay. I also clarify, I'm in Canada, so... Every yeah. amount that you guys spend on a game, add $20, and that's how much I pay. 
So a normal the normal price for a game is sixty dollars. I pay eighty. Um, but the interesting thing with that is that price has not changed. I think in my lifetime of how much a game costs. Really, like Diablo two when that came out, there was it was sixty dollars USD when that came out. When we're talking about the older Morrowind when that came out, it was sixty dollars USD. And it's interesting that we expect so much more out of our games now than when they came out ages ago. Like we expect now, we're like, I want to see a patch every week, otherwise you guys are ruining this game. I want to see balance updates. I want to see I want to be able to do this. I want new content. Every day, otherwise, I'm going to throw a fit. But I don't want to spend more, even though, like, the teams have grown. Like, you look at, like, an old game like Diablo 2, and I think the team that built it was, like, eight people or eight or ten people built that kind of game in that studio. Whereas now you've got studios of hundreds of people doing this, and they're still expecting that, like, thing. So it's one of those things that it's, it's not even just a what the technology changes. It's kind of how, like, consumers and how we as gamers will actually go through and pay for things will change the kind of games that are made. Yeah, I I do remember prices changing. Maybe it's because I mostly uh, played on, like, handhelds growing up. But I remember, like, you know, Game Boy Advance. Game Boys were always cheaper. Stuff. Yeah, that was, like, <laughs> 30 I think. Well, it was $30 then, for a Game Boy game, yeah. Yeah, and then once it got to, like, Nintendo DS or so, it got to, like, 40 but... yeah. But for the yeah. most part, those like, but yes, the handheld games always were a little bit cheaper. But a PC game or a console game has, for almost as long as there's been consoles, been around those price points, which is, except for the ones that would come included or like the bargain games of like Fusion Frenzy on Xbox, which was 10 bucks, things like that. But I feel like for Nintendo, um, that main console games were 50 for GameCube up through Wii and sort of as it got to the Wii U is when they started being 60. But yeah, we was still not a 50. huge change. I I don't want to get too far into this tangent, but I do recall at least one developer going on a point saying, hey, we're going to release their game at $70 for their main release and the game just completely flopping. Yeah. I think this was just a few years ago, but for... Wherever it is, the $60 or 80s for Canadian shekels, it's a pretty <laughs> hard-locked price point. Yeah, it's kind of, it's ingrained in the kind of the culture that it's like, eh, it's not worth more than that. Which is why to try to make up costs, you see companies being like, okay, well, I guess we add expansion packs, we add DLCs and things like that. So it's interesting. Um, but moving on from that and the mobile section... I guess kind of like the, the meat of the topic, and we're going a little bit long tonight, but we kind of knew we would, is really the question of spinoffs from the main games. Because I think as much as all of us, like ESO is my main game, Legends, I love it completely. But there is still those like those core Elder Scrolls games, the one through five and soon to be six. When we're talking about those spinoff games, the ESOs, the Legends, the Blades, the others... What do they provide to us, and do we think it's beneficial, or do we think there's detriments when we talk when we have those other games? So, kind of, I'll get lost to start off there. And what do you think? Kind of, some of the benefits we get and we see out of these games are. Well, I wanted to address the detriments first because the only one I can really think of is public perception. Um, all of the spinoffs that I'm really aware of were always handled by secondary studios. But people always think that they're making this game, it's taking away from the next real Elder Scrolls game, and 
then you get a lot of bad press. I mean, the like to dislike ratio was bad for the Legends announcement trailer. Even though Legends is really cool and has added a lot of cool story, just the initial impression is bad. People still comment on ESO saying, when are you making Elder Scrolls 6? <laughs> I was time. just about to say that. <laughs> it, it's a different studio. That's the only detriment I can really think of. And maybe it could go into actuality if the main studio is holding off on a core game to make a side game. Whoa. That's the only downside I see. The positives is that you get totally different gameplay experiences and because the main games are open world, you get things like um, more focused stories with characters, with characterization. Um, I wrote something down, which I'll just sort of read slash paraphrase, but a main character is something that you can't really get yeah. in a core Elder Scrolls game. And what I mean by that is that people know who Kratos is. People know who Master Chief is. And if you look at Elder Scrolls, depending on how familiar you are with some of the obscure games, but you know who Cyrus is. You know about who that guy is. You know about who Talium Rend is. But you can't really say who the last Dragonborn is. You can say what he did. You can say the stuff that happened to him, but you can't talk about him as a person more as a series of events. So a main character, I think, is something that side games smaller games can provide that again really changes the s types of stories you tell which can be really satisfying someone else want to go into the, the different <laughs> gameplay types i know i wrote down some of my ideas but everyone else can share some of their own so here's i will start off by saying that the reason why people complain about legends and eso and there's there's a lot of them but i think one of the big ones and this is for me too, is it's not Elder Scrolls to them because it's not what they picture in their head. They picture an open world, wandering around, finding Single new player. things. Exactly. It's all big parts of it. And when you show, show them Legends, they're like, this is just a card game. This is an Elder Scrolls because I'm not wandering around a world. I'm not talking to people. I'm not questing. I mean, there are quests in Legends, but... You get my point. Same thing yeah. with ESO. Oh, hey, I'm not the special chosen one. I'm just some guy. <laughs> There's 10,000 other us. guys who can do this. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, I mean, Blades, it's single player, so who knows what that's going to actually be. But Do we know Blades is single player? I, they have um, a multiplayer arena. I saw, yeah, because I remember myself. there was an arena or something along those lines. Yeah, but. and they did say you could like, visit um, your, your friend's, friend's towns. towns. But, that but it also doesn't exist, so let's just ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> we can't ignore it. It's coming. I bought a new phone so I can play it. So Me too. Actually, no. I bought a new phone because I needed a new phone, but I picked this phone so that I could actually play it when it does come out. I, I bought a Samsung X9 so I could play it, and they're about to release the S10, and I still haven't gotten Elder Scrolls Blades. Not even a beta. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Legends took over a year to even have closed beta, so who knows? So, Laura, how do you feel about like the the world of spinoffs and what do they provide? Would you say they're net positive, net neutral, net negative when you're looking at them on the kind of an overall spectrum? There, I consider them a positive overall. I think the only detriments are, uh, first of all, the last said. And also, I guess, 
um, kind of, it just, I mean, there's so much to try and cover, especially as many of us are getting older and having <laughs> lives outside of gaming. Um, and then there's kind of different communities too. Like um, a lot of the Legends community doesn't know anything about the Elder Scrolls Online community. I mean, there is some overlap, but I mean, yeah, they're very different things. But as far as the positives, I mean, more Elder Scrolls is always awesome. And we do get different types of the gameplay experiences. Um, we get different things out of it, whether you want to play, um, you know, multiplayer or if you want to go back to the single player games or play a card game or whoever, who knows what else they might come out with. Yeah, f yeah. For, for me, I think the fact, like, if I'm being honest, if Elder Scrolls Online didn't exist right now, I don't think I would have thought about the Elder Scrolls in probably six years, maybe seven exactly, or eight that's... years. I wouldn't have even thought about it. I probably wouldn't have started playing Legends. I probably wouldn't have joined UESP. I wouldn't be doing that because that's a game that I'm in type that I'm interested in. I love the main story Elder Scrolls games, and I would always play one as soon as it comes out, sink two, three hundred hours into it, and love every moment of it, and then I would move on. It's not the kind of gameplay for me that I go back to time and time and time again. I'll tr I'll tinker with them. I'll play through. I've like started playing Morrowind again just because I can play it on my tablet, and I like that. But it's it's one of those things that it's I probably wouldn't be looking at even thinking about the Elder Scrolls or thinking about Zenimax or Bethesda if it wasn't for Elder Scrolls Online. So I think it really does open a huge benefit of just keeping things relevant without having yeah. to build that single game again because if you only have those single player games they last for x amount of time and then they're over you move away which is i guess a good thing and a bad thing they could build it in a little bit more anonymity while they were uh working on elder school 6 without people kind of begging for it as much potentially maybe it'd be worse i don't know um but I can also see some of the detriments that people complain about, uh, whether valid or not. Um, one of the big ones that I'll, I'm sure our community will never let go is Red Brahmin, who is wrong. Oh. It's just wrong. It's and fine. But that's, but that's where we kind of come in. Is It's inevitable when you have side games that there will be contradictions. There will be changes. Even the main games. Even in the main games, as a new game comes out, like... So we do get kind of, as people, we want to see a pattern. We want to see canon. Like, people run to religion for a straight, like, this is how things are. This is, this is what we've chosen to be laid out as truths. We believe in that. So when we see that in a game, and then people will see these other games and be like, that's not what I believe. I believe in these ones. This one says something different, and I don't know how to respond to that. So I can understand the frustration there, but... Yeah, I mean, overall, they've done a really good job of keeping things consistent. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a few minor things here and there, but, you know, we all know about the unreliable narrator. And, I mean, if from all the content they put out, there's a few honest mistakes here and there. I mean, that's not a bad thing because of just how much they um, bring across from between all the games. And I think that... A point AKB made earlier was saying that when people see these side games, they say, that's not Elder Scrolls. And I understand what that means. Those people, to them, when they hear Elder Scrolls, that means open world, wandering around, finding adventure everywhere I go. And 
that's legitimate. That is its that's its call to fame, I guess. But for my own personal taste, Elder Scrolls is just this fictional world. And I enjoy consuming stuff related to it pretty much whatever the format. I haven't read the novels, but reading a novel about it sounds fun to me. That's not going to provide the same experience or the same fun that an open world game does. And it doesn't provide the same fun that a single player game does. But for those people that like it as a world, then any other peek in can be fun, so long as the gameplay you're using to get there is also fun. Mm-hmm. And I sort of looked at you know, the different games that we do have that are big, not not Shadow Key, unfortunately. Sorry, TJ. <laughs> but Legends is a obviously the card game is pretty distant from adventuring, but it does give you at least thematically a little bit of a feel of every fight being a puzzle. Of everything you have to be a thinker to overcome things. Maybe not every match, but a lot of them. And it's fun seeing things that thematically you can sort of see how it ties into a real adventure that someone's having and they have to be a thinker to accomplish it. And then ESO it's multiplayer. That's quite a bit different. Like a lot of stuff requires it to be multiplayer. You're dealing with something where you have to coordinate together with a team to overcome these challenges that are too great for any one hero. That's going to provide a very different experience. And for some people, a different level of fun than the solo you know, unstoppable juggernaut Fusro-dying people throughout a fortress. Yeah, one thing that um, a lot of people often don't realize when they say, you know, oh, that's not Elder Scrolls is there's actually been more side games than main games in the series when you get into all those old mobile games. (laughs) There's been, you know, so many different types of uh, play styles throughout. And yeah, the main games are what most people think about, but that isn't, you know, the only thing that Elder Scrolls is. I, I put down some of my own personal side ideas for games that I would personally love. Things I that really like I some think of these. That fit into Elder Scrolls. Like, they'd slot into the world and could enable really cool stories, but the gameplay would be totally different. Um, think Assassin's Creed slash Thief Dishonored. Have a Thieves Guild-based game entirely set in a major city. Maybe it's an expanded Hughes Bane. Maybe it's the Imperial City itself. But complex motion across rooftops infiltrating pulling off heists that's not something elder scrolls can really do in its normal form at least not well i'd love a game focused on that or you could go really grand and have political or military strategy um i think akb linked stuff about crusader kings too but whenever i hear people talking about that i can imagine that being stuff going on in high rock just all the different duchies and counties in High Rock fighting one another and scheming and plotting and intermarrying, whatever it is, I can imagine a really cool game set on that. Or like a total war game set on the Empire going out and conquering stuff. I like Elder Scrolls, so I'd love to have different gameplay expanding the same story of a world that I love. That Now that you uh, were on that, I do want to specifically call out the two projects I mentioned. Uh, for Crusader Kings 2, the Elder Kings project, and Oh, they're for... actually things. I gotcha. Yes. And uh, for Total War, the Elder Scrolls conversion mod, these shows that, yeah, a lot of people really specifically want this because political and military strategy do play a big part of the world of the Elder Scrolls background, although we don't take a huge role in most of it. 
but we see little bits of it yeah. and people want the full dive into that. And if you want to check it out, you can find them on the mod database, I believe, mod DB, but I really want to see them actually do it. Like, uh, I don't know if anyone here has played Total Warhammer, but they basically just, Games Workshop gave permission to the creators of Total War to make their own take on it, and it's fantastic in every way, and I want that for <laughs> Elder Scrolls. I have a Total War game that I haven't played much of, but they came out with a mod to make it Hyrule-based, and the only thing I know is that you can have Gorons, and they actually bowl over enemies, which I'm... I want to get around to playing that game. I look forward to a line of Gorons decimating a line of troops. Yeah, in addition to, um, you know, ideas for other type of games, I think it'd be cool to see more, um, more like, novels, or I know a lot of people have made their own um, homebrew D&D-type uh, campaigns. So what if there's an official one? There's, you know, official ones for different uh, series out there right now. So Elder Scrolls would be perfect for that. Dude, we, sh we <laughs> I totally forgot about it in the notes, but there's uh, the unofficial Elder Scrolls role-playing game, which... Wait, there is? Yeah. Yes. Uh, it took... In the creator, I believe, admitted that he took inspiration from for the name from us, but there is a total... Oh, it's not thing. actually... Uh, I, okay. I thought yeah, you were saying it, there's like a UESP... Of, like an unofficial, an official, unofficial Elder Scrolls pages uh, no. RP. That would have been amazing. However, I oh, think yeah, a role playing game where you actually can play a... as uh, Pylon. Uh, he's level two, but <laughs> level two can't say words correctly. But yeah, Speechcraft is one at of one. The members who works on the the role playing game is in our Discord. I think they just use that acronym as their username, so oh, you can awesome. ask him about it. I will definitely ping him after the show and. It's extremely cool. That sounds great. I think, despite my um, love of the next topic, where we were going to go over the um, kind of a grand question about ESO and it being an MMO and if it needs to be an MMO, I think in light of time, it's best if we save that for another show, which is funny because that's actually the main thing that brought us to this discussion <laughs> in the first place. But I don't want to go right. on too long and have everybody get too tired of us talking. So I think with that, do you guys have any final thoughts on the worlds outside of the main games that you want to get out before we sign off for the night? My last line was a joke that I threw in, but I could even see an Elder Scrolls like Tetris game, a falling block puzzle where it's runes scrolling down an Elder Scroll and you're trying to write prophecy so that heroes succeed. I could see that working. I would love that actually, just like a little quick, like kind I, of like a Candy Crush game, but Elder Scrolls. I know Scrolls. There is a, there's a match three game that involves RPG stuff. Like um, um, I don't remember. Dragons and... Puzzle Quest. There's Puzzle Quest and Puzzles and Dragons, and yeah. there's a few of them. that They work out pretty well, but... So I, I could see it working in the same way that Legend's story works. Maybe it's even a little more abstract, but you could still yeah. do it, and I would still check it out at least. I, yeah, no, just... yeah, Skyrim's made its way into Digital Pinball, to Alexa, choose your own adventure type story. <laughs> Possibilities are endless. Yes. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for joining us tonight. I think that was a good discussion. We got a lot of good thoughts out there. So 
before we sign off, just want to see if anybody wants to shout out where they can find them. So Lost, we'll start with you. Where can people find you outside of the show here? Find me on the Discord. I'm lost in Hyrule, and I won't repeat what I said last week. <laughs> <laughs> he learned his lesson. Alara, how about yourself? Uh, yeah, you can find me on the uh, wiki or forum or Discord as well. I'm also Alara there, or Twitter um, at um, underscore Alara underscore. Are you going to change it? Uh, yes, because <laughs> I was actually going to put it in my Twitch channel, and I realized that having the underscores on each side turns it into formatting. It makes it like oh, it does Markdown, so it's yes, bolded. It's so annoying. It does that in Discord too. So at <laughs> least I'm going to need to remove one of the underscores if nothing else. <laughs> oh man, I didn't yep. even think about that before. <laughs> AKB, where are you hiding these days? Uh, you'll find me screaming at an Instagram guide. <laughs> Just <laughs> hiding at a computer. Post from my freaking computer. Uh, well, as always, I'm Pylon, your host of the UESP podcast. Remember, you can find us on Discord, discord.gg slash UESP. Uh, thanks for everybody for coming out tonight. And Finally, we have an official sign-off outro video, so we'll get a chance to go through that, and you'll see that in a moment here. Again, another shout-out to Eric for that. It's amazing. We love the theme. So hope you guys enjoyed it well. It's been a great time talking, and hope to see you guys in Tamriel.